From WHYY and Billy Penn, this is your Monday night edition of Hittin' Season. My name is Justin Clue. I write for Baseball Prospectus and Billy Penn. With me are my co-hosts, Liz Rocher of Yahoo Sports. Hello. Hello. I bet you're like everyone else and you didn't hear me just say Billy Penn just now. I heard it and I was going to say <laughs> I something. Did. Yeah, but that's good because like no one, no one heard it. So, And also with us is John Stolness. I, you could hear a pen drop in here. <laughs> John Stolnes. Going great. Who, uh, yeah, with, with snarky comments like that, you'll be pleased to know his voice is ailing and he will not be speaking very much at all during this episode of the show. It's uh, the podcast everyone's been asking for. Yeah. <laughs> um, I am absolutely, uh, I'm, I'm about like 70%. And so, uh, yeah, thank Justin agreed to, uh, to, to man the ship tonight so that I can just kind of sit around and make make i will we'll trade places i'll be funny and, and smart tonight so that'll be good and my plan is to talk about uh the reliever the phillies signed jose ruiz for about 55 minutes then get to the topic john desperately wants to talk about but by then his voice will no longer exist and that is my very plan. excited about this yeah <laughs> that's my plan for taking over the show this evening but yeah Little bit going on out there. Little bit of hot stove action. Not quite the Trey Turner free for all that we were in by this point last year, but things have happened. I don't know if anyone else was aware of this, but the Phillies did sign a reliever today to a minor league contract. His name is Jose Ruiz, as I just said. He's 29 years old. He spent the 2023 season with the White Sox and the Diamondbacks. They got him for cash in April after Chicago designated the hard throwing righty. For assignment now, let's just start with that. There's an available popping available hard throwing righty is probably a Google alert on Dave Dombrowski's phone. Was there any (laughs) other team this man was going to go to, Liz? I'm gonna say probably not. Yeah, I mean the the Phillies see a hard throwing righty, and they're just they're like, I can fix him. And they just, you know, they, they bring him on board and, and, you know, maybe he, he establishes some trust and, and maybe there's a, there's, there's even, you know, there's a little bit of a, of a foundation laid where the Phillies and this reliever can, you know, really, really make things work. And then suddenly it's September and, and those fastballs, they're just going right over the plate, right into mm-hmm. the hot zone of, of every hitter. But, you know, hey, 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 for the most part, this is largely a success, I think. The, the uh, let's bring in a bunch of hard throwers and not really tell them too much about what to do plan. It's largely been successful, John. I, and this guy, Ruiz, seems like he could potentially be a part of that plan in maybe a fringier way. Let, let me let me read something to you from April 2nd of 2023, earlier this year. And that was the day that the Phillies signed right-hander Jeff Hoffman to a minor league contract with the Phillies. Uh, they added him to their AAA roster. He was set to make $1.3 million in the majors and had opt-outs available on May 1st and July 1st. Um, and uh, MLB Trade Rumors goes along and uh, mentions a bunch of, a lot of words soup about Jeff Hoffman. Clearly a move that we were all agog over when it happened uh, back in April. <laughs> By the end of the year, he became the guy we wanted to see the most in the eighth or ninth inning of a close playoff game. Like, 
there's no world in which that should have been our reality. So when it comes to signings like this, like Jose Ruiz, there really isn't any reason why we should get excited about a guy who wasn't able to make the Diamondbacks NLCS roster at a 4-4-3 ERA, only struck out 19% of batters last year, walked 9.3. He's been a high walk, high home run guy. And yet the Phillies have shown that maybe they can, maybe there is a skill set that these, that the guys like Jose Ruiz have that, that they can do something with. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not turning my nose up at these kind of signings anymore because these are the kind of guys you can see in August who are throwing important innings. Yes, as John was implying, or in some cases just saying, uh, in 42 thirds frames with the eventual NL champion Diamondbacks, Ruiz logged a 4.43 ERA, strikeout rate just a hair under 20%, walk rate hovering around 9%, and a 42% ground ball rate, average of 96.6 miles an hour on his heater. You know, that's again, that's going to get Dave Dombrowski's attention. Yeah. He is going to look mm-hmm. up from his goosebumps for that. Yeah. Uh, and gets a get, gets a bunch of swinging strikes, a healthy swinging strike rate for, uh, for, for Ruiz. And as John is saying, yeah, you never know what, which one of these guys is going to be a success story. And those are the kind of guys that wind up playing really key roles. As we've seen, bullpens deplete themselves very, very quickly. Uh, arms go through rough stretches. Guys struggle with command. Bringing in a guy like this, you know, yeah, we're not going to, I'm not going to sit here and be like, yeah, this is the next Jeff Hoffman. This is the next success story. But that's more just like evidence that pitchers signed to deals like this can play key roles, even though command was an issue for Ruiz throughout the year, uh, as it has been more often than not throughout his career. So again, does this sound familiar, Liz? Another guy <laughs> throw a fastball through your torso, but also might throw a fastball through your torso. <laughs> Uh, when I saw hard thrower, I, I'm like, oh, well, that makes sense, and moved right on with my day. <laughs> I realized I'm like, I could evaluate this, but whatever he is now is, I'm going to say, likely not going to be exactly what we see on opening day. Mm. Because, I mean, they don't, they don't sign hard throwers just for fun. They sign the guys they think they can actually do something with. And that's what Dombrowski's been really good at is, you know, signing guys who can throw hard but might have holes in their game somewhere else uh, when they throw that they can improve on. You know, that's what they've been good at. Like, they don't like if they sign a lot of hard throwers and as we've seen, some of them stick, some of them don't. And you have to hope that this guy is going to be one of the guys that sticks. But he also may not be. He might actually throw a fastball through someone's torso, and that will probably end his career. What are the legal ramifications of that, I wonder? Yeah, that's a really good question. It is frowned upon. It is frowned upon <laughs> in, in, by both the law and uh, even Rob Manford has a problem with that. You know, I, it's just, I think he'll start off in AAA, you know? I mean, he'll be one of those guys who's kind of pitching down in AAA in April and May. I mean, last year we were looking at this bullpen. We're like, you know, Connor Brogdon's going to be a big part of it. Uh, Andrew Bellotti's going to be a big part of it. And by May, <laughs> Who are they? they were both gone. And up comes Jeff Hopman. Do, 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 do. I'm here to save the season. And, you know, <laughs> classic Jeff, classic Jeff, you know, you saw it in his eyes. And, uh, you know, maybe Jeff Hoffman and Orion Kirkering have a have a year this year. That's not what we're thinking. And then, you know, all of a sudden we're calling 
Clayton Jose on the phone and he's making the trip down to Philadelphia. You know, just that's you just stockpile these guys. And that's what Dave Dombrowski is doing right now is probably looking, getting with Caleb Cottom, looking through the uh, the junk drawer and trying to stockpile as much of these hard throwing right handers as, as they can get and see if uh, Caleb can get them in the workshop and, and fine tune them a little bit. I like to imagine when Liz says he will be a different pitcher uh, by opening day than he is right now, that he will spend the winter trying to throw a boulder through a mountain and then become even stronger and show up at spring training with a 98-99 mile, mile an hour fastball. So look out, Grapefruit League torsos. This man is coming to kill you. <laughs> and can you believe it, folks? That's the end of that segment. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Moving along. I can believe it. Uh, well, Sonny Gray is a fun name. Uh, he's, a, he's a name that's been linked to the Phillies. As far as starting pitching goes, uh, but that was before Aaron Nola signed his seven-year, $172 million deal with the Phillies. So, Sonny Gray, not really somebody we're looking to link with the Phillies any further. Uh, that doesn't mean there aren't other suitors out there. And are we thinking this Gray is the, what, top pitching guy on the market now after Nola's not available? No, I think it's Snell. It's Snell. Yeah, still, I think it's still, still Snell. Snell. And I would rather have Jordan Montgomery over any of those guys, but yeah, it's probably Snell. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way, but I, th I think, yeah, largely you'll hear Snell's name as the 1A, but Gray has obviously been sought after. He's He's got a little, I mean, Snell's track record is, you know, I, I let guys on base and then I get out of trouble, uh, but also I will only be in the game for four or five innings. So that that MO isn't going to, you know, be appealing to everybody. Gray's a little bit different. You know, he's had to rework some things. He has a deep arsenal. Uh, and that's that's been his thing is that he's been able to change what what pitches he throws more based on what's working from month to month. Whereas a lot of guys will go season to season with that. He's able to see like, OK, this pitch isn't working early in a start and just switch to some other stuff and just not go back to that pitch, which is it has been a huge asset. It's just, boy, is the command going to be there? Is the velocity going to be there? And he's had like spikes of good fortune and great performances over the years, but he's also had plenty of stretches where things were not working. So the market just seemed to be flooded with guys like that, even at the top. And I'm just kind of glad we're not in the mix anymore, even though we signed Aaron Nola, somebody we're always talking about fitting that description regardless. But at the end of the day, would you rather have Sonny Gray at the deal he got from the Cardinals three years, $75 million or Aaron Nola for the deal he got at seven years and $172 million, John, Hey, um, you know, no. Thank, thank you. Are for, you asking this question? Thank you for greeting me, first of <laughs> well, all. Well, that, was, only, he, that was very Yes, cordial. I know. I just wanted to make sure. Hello, Justin. Um, he's only asking this question because I wrote it on the sheet. So don't don't yell at Justin. You can yell at me because uh, this this ran into my. I wasn't brain. yelling. And, uh, no, I there know. Is no yelling. I feel I, just, I do feel attacked, John. Thank I you. I feel for in your that. mind you were yelling at me. So and through Justin, so I just wanted to make that clear. Um, well, but we'll meet with HR right after this. I right, I think exactly. Um, no, I, I think it's obviously Aaron Ola is the is the player I would rather have, and I'm willing to I'm willing to deal with the back end of the contract and and, and the fact that it might not be so great uh, I know Sonny Gray was the it's hard to believe he was the Cy Young runner-up over in the American League I mean he really did have a terrific season and he brought the sweeper with him this year and you know that pitch is now all of a sudden it's a after 140 years of baseball we've discovered a new pitch apparently which is the sweeper and everybody's using that and Sonny Gray used it really well this year but he's still a he's still a high contact guy he's not a he's not like an I really still don't think he's a number 
one A like like Aaron Nola can be. So no, I I think that uh, I think the Aaron Nola deal is much better simply because I think the player is much better than than Sonny Gray, and it, it was such a Cardinals move. I mean, you just oh, yeah. you just talk about th- they have signed three of the blandest pitchers you could possibly sign. I mean, this was just. If, if I could have put, if I could have picked any team in baseball that I thought would have been perfect for Sonny Gray, it's the Cardinals. I mean, they're, his name is Gray for crying out loud. It's like <laughs> that's what the Cardinals do. They sign Gray players. I mean, I caught. I'm the one that caught the Sonny Gray news this morning at Yahoo Sports. Please check out my post on Sonny Gray at sports.yahoo.com/mlb. Um, and I I added a few paragraphs at the end about. Um, the Cardinals rotation and what exactly they're doing or not doing. It's unclear. Uh, They're in this very weird transitional spot where all of their homegrown players from the last era have finally retired and they've got like two or three guys, but everyone else is from somewhere else. Their entire, there isn't a homegrown pitcher in their rotation. I don't believe unless miles, unless I missed miles Mikolas, who could be homegrown, but He's 35. Steven Matz uh, is 32. He'll be 33 in May. The two of them are their their four and five starters, um, and they're signed through 2026, and they are middling. Um, and they have – oh, God, my mind just went blank. Uh, there are other pitchers who are different than those guys did whose you, names I can't – Did you say Lance Lynn? No, thank you. Lance Lynn is one of them, and then there Kyle was – Gibson. Thank you. Oh, I feel like an idiot. I wrote this this morning. You can see it. Can <laughs> this, is, this is just indicative of how interesting this St. Louis Cardinals rotation is going to be. Memorable. Guys, if, if one of them starts feeling tightness in his forearm, is he going to get Tommy Yawn surgery? Mm. <laughs> but uh, they said no let's no okay. let's let's let the no, let's, let's let it breathe this. let's not gloss over it I feel i'm like taking it back over as host this is not working <laughs> <laughs> uh lynn and um gibson are both signed on one-year deals and sunny gray is on a three-year deal he is 34 lance lynn and kyle gibson i think are both 34 as well or 33 and 34 like they're this is a rotation that will be out everyone will be gone within two years maybe if like three at the most everyone will be gone because not only will be they they be too old but they're simply not it's not enough like this is not a cardinals team that's hoping to make the playoffs they as an organization they just seem completely unprepared uh, this was gonna just, be and unwilling to like realize oh everything is changed you know, we've got uh, Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, but they're also older, and last year was not good. They're, it seems like the Cardinals, they finished in first place in 2022. This year they finished in fifth, and that seems to be where they're say, staying, and the Sunny Gray signing says to me, we're the Cardinals, and we're fine with it. Right, that was going to be my question. They now have a full rotation, and you look at it, and you think, are the Cardinals trying? And Liz, you're saying <laughs> no. no. Um, no. Sonny Gray is the ace of this staff, right? That's that's the move here? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. The, any... Is it Lance Lynn or Kyle Gibson? Right. No. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think. In the most positive terms, it's like, okay, those two guys are brought in to be the back of the rotation. So, 
they were going to get jobs doing that somewhere in baseball this year, most likely. And it just, it's the Cardinals. Okay, fine. But they're not the last two guys in that rotation. Steven Matz is technically the last guy in that yep. rotation. Yep. Yep. Even though he's, he's out. Uh, I believe he's hurt. Um, but those two guys, yeah, I mean, that's one of them is the third starter in St. Louis. And, you know, it's again, those are two guys at the top who aren't we're not laughably bad or anything, but it's also just like eh, nothing really to sink your teeth into here. This could easily be five guys. None of them can find a win. You know, at some point in July, there's no stopper. There's there's no there's no a losing streak doesn't have a guy who can come out there and just kind of, OK, no, we're doing things my way and we're going to win this game. That guy doesn't seem to be here because Sonny Gray's a lot of things, as I described earlier. But dominant, I don't know if, if that's a way people would describe him. Maybe like in an individual start, he's accomplished that. But in general, I don't really view him as that that kind of pitcher who can come in and just own a game. And he's leading that rotation. So, yeah, that was, um, I guess, I suppose it was interesting just to see where he went. And that was a shift in the uh, free agent market. But at the end of the day, this Cardinals rotation is just seems kind of soft. Well, well <laughs> and what it's designed to do is get you to 87 wins. It's not designed to win you any playoff series. You know, they're going to be with 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 the top of rotation, even finishing as a runner up in for the Cy Young. Your Sonny Gray is not a game one starter that's going to scare anybody. Like if he's going up against Zach Wheeler, Zach Wheeler has the edge. I mean, any number of pitchers, Zach Galen, um, any number. It really, it's just it's. But I will say the state of starting pitching is down right now. It's all these, all the great starting pitchers that we've seen over these last few years, you know, the Jacob DeGroms, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, th- those guys are kind of fading away now. I mean, who are the, you've got Garrett Cole, who's still a great pitcher, but I mean, who are the Cy Young contenders this year? I mean, Spencer Strider is definitely one of those guys, but you know, is, is Zach, Zach Gallen didn't show you a whole lot to really be scared of in the playoffs. Um, you know, I just... Who who's they got that young I name escapes me but the young starter for the Cubs the lefty uh, that really kind of burst onto the scene this year but th- there's yeah yeah Justin Steele but there's just there's there's no greatness right now there's very little greatness in terms of starting pitching at the moment and so maybe they figure you know you get Sonny Gray in there you ride him to another couple of decent seasons of an ERA around three 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 four that's enough to be a number one A starter number two starter but it's not enough to win your playoff series so. They desperately need to rebuild their farm system. They graduated their top two guys last year and the year before, and they're fine. But, like, after that, their farm system went from, like, in the top ten at the start of the season or uh, last year. uh, As of August, it was 22 by MLB's rankings. And that's a huge drop. So they... They don't have a lot of major league talent they could trade. They don't have any minor league talent they could trade. So they're just sort of where they are. Because I thought for a second, well, you know, if they're doing fine by midseason, they could definitely trade for another starter. But how and with who? What remind me what the plan was? Didn't they? They were like, we're gonna, we're not. This isn't a rebuild. We're just gonna zipping. We're gonna zip around in, in about two or three years. We're gonna be back. Like right. That was the. That's the general yeah. Because because they've got Goldschmidt and Arenado still there. They can't afford to do that. Yeah, that, which is interesting because those were the two guys they were rumored to be willing to trade. But those are the only two guys that yeah that are going to be the you know any kind of foundation you have to build off of for this plan. So. This is definitely yeah. a punting year, but it's also, 
you know, this is this is going to have to change quickly because this is not a playoff rotation. I mean, we say that now and, you know, the Cardinals go on to win the World Series and it's very charming and, and everyone loves it. And, no, it's not. Everyone hooray. hates them. Yeah. What am I describing? Everyone would hate that. Everyone would hate everyone. that MLB script writers. All right. Not interested. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> One funny thing, though, that it was rumored that the Braves were in on Sonny Gray and did not and either didn't make an offer or their offer wasn't enough and the cardinals went in and took him and that's hilarious to me so the braves didn't get nola and the braves yep. didn't get sunny gray Mm-mm. and it's the braves and dodgers now said to be actively trying to trade for white Sox starter dylan cease i mean this is we're kind of seeing the braves pop up in every high profile starting pitching rumor because you know that's not surprising they are a team that has that has a need for starting pitching uh, and they and they are willing to improve and make, you know they they've proven they they are willing to make the deals they need to make to acquire the that starting pitching but they keep kind of falling down <laughs> the ladder here now you're seeing a pattern where they they're not getting their guy and we're reaching the point where they are like they're not going to get their guy because these guys aren't any of the guys they wanted to get necessarily like they're down to okay plan C and I want to see how far how many plans down they have to get before they finally get one of these guys. Uh, and Dylan Cease being that guy at the moment, how scary of an idea is it to p- picture Dylan Cease in a Atlanta Braves uniform? I honestly can't really picture his face in my head at all. So I'm just seeing a blank face <laughs> in a uniform. And I'll be honest, it's terrifying. I just looked him up. He's got a big old mustache. All right. And that's uh, that's his only main defining characteristic. It's sort of like, yeah, an actually more Spencer, more handsome Spencer Strider a little bit. Whoa, whoa, okay. Hey now. Now I gotta now I gotta take a look. <laughs> oh, yep, well, I here... see. I see what you're talking about. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I knew I was right. Wow. I'm just looking at his numbers because I'll admit I you could have said where team was still in CSON and I would have said <laughs> man, I don't know. This man looks like if he were to be acquired by the Braves, he would roll into town on a covered wagon and start hawking strange oils uh, out the back of it. That is that is the vibe Ooh. I'm getting from this man. John, you were going to say something that has to do with baseball and pitching. But it's slightly uh yeah, akin to it. Yeah. Um <laughs> Uh, I don't know how I don't know that the Braves have enough pieces to get Dylan Cease I, at at midseason, or this is in August. MLB Pipeline had the Braves, and I've seen I think Baseball America has them similarly ranked. The Braves had the number twenty seven farm system in baseball. <laughs> oh, that's music to my ears. Wow. Yeah, I mean they've graduated so many of their guys um, that there's just there's not a whole lot left in the cupboard. So even if they wanted to go out and get Dylan Cease or Corbin Burns, or Tyler Glass now, or any of the other starting pitchers who might be available on the trade market, I don't know that they have the pieces for that. I I don't know that they have the guys that they can swing for it unless they're trading from their major league roster. So, I I mean, it's just, maybe they would do that. I don't know, but, you know, they've lost guys like Mike Soroka. You know, some of the other uh, young pitchers they had coming up haven't really panned out or have have been injury prone. It's it's interesting. I I don't know. I think they want to upgrade. I think they're looking at trades, but they they might be out on those big starters. I don't know what they have to deal with. Deal from. Yeah. I, I, honestly, it felt like a shift in the landscape to see Baseball America rank the NL East farm systems with uh, Atlanta and uh, you know the other one, the Nationals and Miami? Mets were at the yeah. So it had to be Miami, right? I was like, no, it's not Miami, but it was. But the Marlins and Braves uh, t- trailing behind, 
And the Phillies squarely in the middle, which is where they've been farm system wise for what feels like 15 years. And then I'm the, fine with that. <laughs> yeah, the Nationals and Mets ahead of them because of the trades the Mets uh, did at the trade deadline, uh, sending Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander out of town. And the Nationals just being in the middle of a rebuild and just having a pipeline of young talent on its way up. So that was that felt like quite, kind of a shift because the Braves are really setting themselves up to be to be a long term threat. But now they just seem to be at that part of the cycle where the farm system's a little barer because a lot of those guys have come up and become very very good major league baseball players which is technically how it's supposed to work but that being said john i think you're right that's left them a little more empty-handed for uh, making deals like this and i think starting pitching is going to be a greater area of need should they have to keep going with like i said plan d plan e uh, when it comes to how exactly they're going to assemble their rotation in 2024, how big of a liability do you expect the Braves' rotation to be in 2024, John? Well, I mean, if Max Freed is is okay, and, and I know last year, again, he dealt with some injuries right at the end of the season that kind of messed him up in the NLDS, but if Max Freed is healthy, Freed and Strider are still a really good one-two combination at, at the top of the rotation, and they're bringing back Charlie Morton. Um, so, you know, that's... That's certainly he, he Morton wasn't I don't know he wasn't lights out, but he was still pretty darn good. They just had they have some injury issues they gotta figure out. But you know, Bryce Elder, I think that's a huge question mark for them. You know, he's he was very, very good in the first half of the season and then very, very bad in the second half of the season. Which which guy are they gonna get next year? Because he's a young guy and it seemed like the league figured him out a little bit, but he's got talent and so he just wasn't able to to harness it. I think it's a pro. I think it's. I think it could be an issue for them, and I don't think you're going to see as much from their off. I mean, they're not going to have the same kind of offensive year this year that they had last year in 2023. It's just there's no way they can replicate that. So they need those guys. They really need Freed and Strider um, to be a dynamic one-two punch at the top of the rotation, and they can do that. Um, but uh, you know, they're putting a lot of their eggs in the Charlie Morton basket as, as their number three starter. And you can see why they, they feel like they need to go get somebody else because they're not deep in the starting rotation and they do not have young guys in the minors that they can bring up and, and stem the tide. You hear that Braves Phillies fan. John Stonis says you're not going to hit that many home runs in 2024. <laughs> I bet I did say it. <laughs> he says your time is up. It's you're, over. You're it's on done. notice Atlanta That's Braves. Right. John Stokes. I've, I've got a little book right here, and I've written your names in it. <laughs> yeah, liability would be, boy, it'd be, it'd be nice if the Braves wound up in a position where anything on their team was a liability. But yeah, any any kind of weakness in the Braves rotation, I feel like we got to contextualize this, is the weakness between guys like Spencer Strider and Max Fried, who, yeah, you know, they're pretty... They're pretty set as far as who the top arms in their rotation are. That's not who they're looking to add. They're looking to add, you know, help. They're looking to add middle of the rotation help. And that's not, you know, necessarily a deal breaker. It's not like the Braves are going to be embarrassed by their starting pitching in 2024. But it is going to be, you know, helpful. And it is, I would say, beyond helpful. It's a need of theirs, Liz. And do you think they view having to go after a guy like Dylan Cease a failure with Sonny Gray and Aaron Nola off the market? Um... Maybe, but I've been thinking, like, after writing about Gray this morning and, you know, seeing that the Braves have been interested, I thought they clearly were interested in Sonny Gray because he does not cost a lot. I, that's I'm pretty sure, like, that's why the Cardinals were interested in him. He's older. He's had, an, you know, like a roller coaster career, and he's suffered from, and he's, you know, he's been dealing with injuries throughout 
his uh his career like his he's got like four maybe like five really good seasons and the one thing that they all have in common is that he was healthy the whole time which was this year and a few years ago like even uh 2022 with the twins he was you know he was good but he also did not pitch a full season so I, I was pretty sure that the Braves were interested in him because he just would be a good, like, decent mid-rotation starter. And then I thought back, I'm like, why were any of us convinced that, like, the Braves were really in on it? I'm like, I'm like thinking about this, I'm like, why? And I'm, I'm now I'm, I'm entering into conspiracy theory land where I'm like, were they just doing it to screw with the Phillies? Were they just doing it to make them angry and to drive the price up? And that seems both likely and paranoid. So I'm not really sure where to go with these theories. It's Jonathan. not paranoia if everyone is plotting against you, Liz. Yes, that's true. I was going to ask John, is how, how likely is this theory? I think they really wanted Nola, but I think they really wanted him at a price that was I think they were willing I think they might have even been been willing to pay what the Phillies paid him but I don't think Nola wanted to go to Atlanta and I think probably Atlanta knew that um so yeah I do think they made an offer I think they made an offer that they would have been fine with if Nola had accepted it I do not think they were a team that would be what that would have been willing to pay him more to come to Atlanta than what he took from Philadelphia so I think the I think the interest there was real um because you know they would have loved to have stolen him from Philadelphia. They really would. Oh, yeah. I, I, I honestly believe that. I honestly believe they made a push for him. But I think there was I think there was dual tracks there. You know, I think they wanted him for themselves. But I also think that they knew that if they put a real offer in, that the Phillies would have to kind of maybe go further in terms of years than than they were initially wanting to. And ultimately, that probably is what happened. Who was the young pitching coach the Phillies kept that the Braves? used to hornswoggle them chris young right yeah so i think about that a lot and i don't know why braves <laughs> fans don't bring that up all the time because yeah. that the braves absolutely manipulated and puppeteered the phillies into giving them exactly what they wanted that i feel like is something that when it happens to you like as the phillies in that case you got to be like this this could never happen again like are you kidding me this could i, I know this kind of stuff yeah. happens you know it's it, it's reverse psychology at its finest and that's why with every free agent like if the, the if the phillies are going after this japanese kid they should go to his agent and tell him we don't want you <laughs> and let's and and let's let's play our game you know this is this is this is how it works in major league but you don't why don't you why don't you want him why is he's really he's really good did you see what he did in japan yeah maybe well maybe you know t talk talk to us a little bit more about it. you know this is how this is how you negotiate i think this is how it works for most gms justin I think that Dave Dombrowski when he I, I again I feel like the Phillies are not going to be the likely landing spot for Yamamoto but I I, I you're right they should use that they should use that to, to play a little subterfuge and just be like oh yeah uh, have Dave Dombrowski go to the press and be like our feelings our opinions on this particular player have changed yeah which is like a vague and accurate but also cryptic kind of statement to make and and that's going to potentially make Alex Anthopoulos is that who's still doing the Braves? Right, yeah, right? who cares? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's making him be like, now what, now what does that mean? 
What is that? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> what is? If he's saying it, he never says anything. Why is... Mm, what does that mean? You know, it'd be nice to be on the other side of that for once. But, yeah, Liz, I think your your theory isn't without credence, but I think I'm, I'm leaning more towards John, where the Braves probably drove by Nola's house and threw a paper plane through the window that was just like, hey, you know, we're interested, but we know you're talking to Dave right now, and this probably isn't going to happen. But, you know, we're just doing due diligence. Yeah. I think, if anything, maybe they kind of knew from the start that he probably wasn't going to accept an offer from them to, you know, if it wasn't as much as the Phillies gave, but they figured, you know, why not? Maybe the Phillies are stupid. I mean, that's, hey, that's solid. To like, that's a yeah, solid bet. You have to, I mean, as someone who writes about the NFL a lot, you just have to assume sometimes that guys are stupid, no matter what kind of job they have. David Tepper owned several sports <laughs> franchises and he might be the stupidest man in all of sports anywhere. Yeah, they were like, oh, remember that time we, like, pretended to text Chris Young and then blackbagged Rick Kranitz and brought him into a limousine and drove him down to Atlanta when the Phillies weren't looking? What if we just did something like that again? If you feel like you can get away with that, I would do that all the time. That's that's just, mm-hmm. again, just an incredible move. What an incredible own. Uh, but in any case, the Phillies have their man. So, again, they don't have to be mixed up in all this, which is kind of, it is it is kind of nice. You know, a little less dramatic, but still kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, that, that being said, there are more moves to make out there. And I have really subscribed to Liz's previous theory, which is that Dave Dabrowski gets his big deals done early in the offseason so that he can play around a little later. And since the Phillies' future plans for the offseason remain, let's say, ambiguous, uh, even though we have a general idea of where they're headed, we have really no firm concept of who they're exactly they're going to target. Or why. But MLB.com's uh, took a crack at it anyway. Like they have some kind of inside track or something. Hmm. Uh, Mark but Feinsand knows your business, Major oh, League Baseball. The guy who said they were going to trade Nick Castellanos basically packed his bags and was ready to head out of town before that rumor was just, you know, killed. But in any case, yes, MLB.com's Mark Feinsand said that there were trade candidates uh, available for multiple teams, and we just wanted to run these through. They have not been linked to the Phillies, but we wanted to run through them and just kind of talk about do the Phillies have any interest? Do we think would they be a good fit for the Phillies? Are they someone the Phillies should pursue? You know, general off-season conversation. We're not going to talk about Juan Soto. We've talked about him enough. He is somebody that I would love to see on the Phillies. I'm not really thinking about what that would cost at the moment. I'm just picturing him on the Phillies, and I just think that's neat. The rest of these guys that we're going to talk to on this list, which, again, John came up with. John, I got to tell you. There's nobody on this list that I'm like, yeah, yeah. about, you know? Yeah, agreed, <laughs> agreed. I found myself instinctively writing down um, reasons not to go after them. If You know what I mean? Like, No, I found that's it- true. There's no slam dunk here. Except, I mean, like Juan Soto is the slam dunk, you know, if he if he's available. But um, yeah, these other names, I just, they're interesting to think about and talk about. But I agree with you. I don't, I don't think there's anywhere you're like, ooh, perfect fit. Yeah. So let's start with the Orioles. Anthony Santander, outfielder, uh, been with the Orioles for a little while. He was there before this youth movement really kicked into high gear. He kind of like paid his dues before they broke into the postseason this season. Uh, Beloved in Baltimore, certainly. Uh, But Liz, 
Is Anthony Santander the kind of guy he is? Would he be a good fit for the Phillies? He posted a solid season in 2023, 28 home runs, 797 OPS, played in 153 games. That's something the Phillies like to see. Uh, but he is also slated to hit free agency at the end of the 2024 campaign. And that also means he is going to see his salary jump to approximately $12 million in his final year of arbitration. Uh, the, the Orioles have top prospects Colton Kowser and Heston Kierstad knocking on the door. So Baltimore <laughs> could be motivated to move Santander in order to strengthen another area of the roster. Is this somebody the Phillies might be interested in? Uh, I mean, sure, but they already have a guy that plays right field. And while he's kind of a free swinging maniac, I, I'd rather stick with uh, I'd rather stick with Nick Castellanos. Yeah, right? is that like wrong? Kind of an easy one, honestly. Yeah. John, also, I mean, the is... Orioles. Just one, I must comment: the Orioles have so many prospects with nonsense white boy names like that. I just want to say, does not matter. You could point to any of them and they all sound like that well they just have so many prospects that if you're like a 28 to 32 year old guy on the orioles right now guess what the write-up on you is going to be it's going to be well he might get moved because they've got six guys who play his position who've all won league mvp from somewhere between single and triple a at some point so you can pretty much assume you know your name's going to be at least in a trade rumor in the months ahead but john is anthony santander somebody the phillies should be paying any kind of attention to I mean, I agree with Liz. I don't know that he's an upgrade over Nick Castellanos. The the reason to get Castellanos out of, I mean, I I think if if you can play him in left field, um, you keep Nick Castellanos in in, in right field. Um, you know, at the, it, I wouldn't hate it if they did it. But again, it's is it somebody that I'm itching for them to go after? He's also a guy that swings at a lot of balls out of the strike zone. Thirty five percent outside swing rate. Nick Castellanos is at like thirty nine percent. So. Um, you know, Santander, I don't think has quite the swing and miss that, um, uh, that Nick Castellanos does, but I didn't watch him closely enough to see like, you know, how consistent was he during the course of the season? He's about a two and a half win player, only a 23% strikeout rate. So, I mean, he, he's, I think he'd be, I'll put it this way. If you put him in the Phillies lineup, 28 years old last year, 29 years old this year, it'd be good. He would help. Uh, but it just what would you have to give up to get him? And you would have him for just one year. I don't really care if you, how much he's going to cost in arbitration. I don't think the Phillies really care. Um, but he's also not a good defender, so he's not helping you in left field at all. Uh, much uh, below average uh, defender out in, in in one of the corners. So again, yeah, is it would be okay if they signed him? Would I be would I be jumping the moon now? Here's a sentence from 2022. Anthony Santander is one of the worst defensive players in all of Major League Baseball. This sentence was written on an Orioles fan site, presumably by an Orioles fan. So keep that in mind when you are measuring Santander's uh, production, skill level, talent, uh, whatever you want to call it. Uh, You mentioned his strikeouts. He had 152. That would have been third on the Phillies, a team that strikes out a lot. (laughs) So in some ways, he does fit in. But he also has the reputation of a guy who he gives you the power, but he also will have long at-bats. I think he fouled off nine straight pitches and then blooped a single this year. That gets like a lot of attention and applause from, from Orioles fans. Uh, that's something he's able to do. And that doesn't sound like Nick Castellanos to me. You know who that sounds like. <laughs> this is the guy who doesn't work <laughs> there anymore. 
which is a bummer. In any case, uh, yeah, he, he definitely is somebody who I had to ask, well, why though? Like you're John, you're right. He, he would help. Yes. But, but why are we, why are we doing this? They're just another guy. We just don't, there just doesn't seem to be a, a spot for him. Uh, even though, yeah, once he came here and got settled and they had a plan for him, I'm sure he'd be able to contribute, but not somebody I'm particularly thinking is a good match for the Phillies. Moving along to Alex Verdugo, another outfielder for the Red Sox, a trade candidate as well. Strong defender, known for giving a lot of effort and energy and personality. And when you start seeing that being listed as the guy's main traits, you start thinking, okay, so like a, what, like a Garrett Stubbs situation? That's not what this is, but that does make you wonder. You're like, well, why aren't we talking about how, how good of an, like, how how good of a production he's he's going to be able to contribute oh because you know he's a fan favorite apparently in boston which i was not aware of he really no. spiked uh, production wise in 2021 he's been kind of slowly regressing ever since he's kept his home run and rbi plate spinning i guess you could say uh but like is there a guy who's cheaper and better that you could acquire yeah, probably. And I don't even mean yeah. anybody specifically. They're just, I think that option exists out there. Would he fit the vibes on the Phillies? It sounds like maybe he would, but I, I otherwise, I, I'm not sure this is somebody you really got to be calling the Red Sox about, John. Yeah, no, if you're going to sign a guy who's like, the, who's a, a below average offensive player, right around league average, I mean, a 13 home run guy, um, you know, it's, you know, it's only slug 421 last year. Um, He's a good defender, like you. Home runs. Yeah, thirteen home runs. I mean, it's just there's there's not a lot of punch there in left field. You can you can get that same kind of production by platooning Jock Peterson and Christian Pache or something like that. You know what I mean? Like you you can find that on the free agent market with Tommy Pham. That you that's where you can you don't need to trade away players in order to bring somebody like that uh, to to Philadelphia. So yeah, that's a he's a hard pass for me. I have no interest in Alex Verdugo. Which, Liz, I think is my issue with all of these guys, that if I don't have to give up players for somebody and I can just give up money for them, that I would rather do that if I'm the Phillies, a team we've already referenced as being middle of the pack for quite some time now as far as prospects go. So if they are finding the same level of talent on the free agent market, why not just do that? Yeah. I mean, th that's kind of going to be the problem with everyone you name I don't know the rest of your list but my guess is it's guys that the Phillies already have better versions of or the equivalent Th the issue is just available yeah like they're not they're not so special that you're like oh perfect uh, I don't know uh, one guy Lane Thomas of the Nationals uh, another outfielder he's well-rounded you know he, that's to his credit he, he did it all in 2023 well enough you could say, you know, well enough to get the low level of attention that he did get this year. He was a name that got brought up at the trade deadline and in some circles. Uh, but this is a guy who's still it's unclear if 2023 is reflective of who he actually is long term. The pitfalls are pretty visible. He strikes out a lot. He walks a little. You can set up a lemonade stand in the infield to defend against his grounders because they pretty much all go to the same spot. If they don't give up anyone they want to factor into their future plans, uh, as far as the Phillies go, then like, okay, maybe this is a guy. But at the same time, it's an asset of this team, that it's, of the Phillies, I mean, that they are no longer bringing guys into games just to see what they have. 
They have a bunch of guys that they know what to expect from, and that's part of why they're good. And Thomas yes. is a guy who seems like he would bring him in and be like, all right, let's see what's real and what isn't. And I just think we just we just don't have time for that anymore. No, the time for experimenting is over. This is we there was a, there the years of ramp up were the years where we were disappointed that they did not make the playoffs. 2022 signaled the window is wide open and if we are not ma- and it, if a move that that the Phillies make isn't going to immediately help them or fill an immediate need, then they shouldn't be making it cuz there's no point in screwing around. The window is open and they have to go through it before it closes. So Get on it. John Lane Thomas moving the needle on you? Yeah, I think more than the other two we've talked about, he moves it for me. He was nearly a three-win player this year. <clears throat> he's um, he's regressed in terms of his plate discipline, which is which is which would be my main issue. He only walked 5% of his plate appearances last year, struck out, um, or his strikeouts, 176 strikeouts last year against only 36 walks. And so... Again, he's a guy who can who's got some swing and miss in his game, but he had 268, 468 slugging, 315 on base percentage, 28 homers, 101 runs scored. He did steal 20 bases as well. But you're right. I think the question with him is: Was 2023 an outlier? Was it uh, a career year for him, uh, or will and will he go back to what he did in 2022, which is? a below average offensive player in the league. We're only at 17 home runs and 52 RBIs. And, and you know, I, I think that, again, you can probably get similar production elsewhere from, like, Tommy Pham or some somebody like that on the free agent or market. literally so, Reese Hoskins. Like, again, well, here, just problem, like Reese Hoskins, sort listen, of. Listen, you're, you're right, but, I mean, Reese – unless you're putting Bryce Harper back out in the outfield and then you're moving Nick Castellanos to left field, which is a position he doesn't know how to play. And I know it's, they're not the same and it's Nick Castellanos is frightening enough in right field, let alone putting him in left field. I just don't think it works. Just Reese Hoskins doesn't work. He doesn't fit. And I know we're kind of comparing these guys to Reese's production, but I think, you know, Reese is gone. Like, and so they're, they're not, They've got to figure out a way to get something out of left field, which, I, again, I think is a big hole. I don't think they have a good solution for left field right now. It's not going to be Kyle Schwarber. So they got to go get something for that, whether it's a platoon or whether it's somebody who's like Lane Thomas. They, I think they've got to do something unless we're going to redo the Reese Hoskins and left field experiment again. I'm not – let us be. let it be known, I'm not – advocating for the Phillies to actually sign Reese Hoskins. My point is if he goes back to being the player he was before 2023, that's Reese Hoskins. Only he plays the outfield. And if they're going to get, if they're going to bring in a guy via trade, it's got to be someone better. Like they have to do better. Uh, Otherwise they would just, otherwise they could just keep him like, yeah, he's not great in left field, but. You know, like the point is to actually upgrade and finding Reese Hoskins that plays the outfield is not really an upgrade, even though he does play the outfield. It's just not. I watched the replay of the Reese Hoskins bat spike today. Oh, God, oh don't do, do that, that to yourself, yourself, Justin. Come on, man. Oh, oh I, man. Just, I just do it sometimes. Sometimes I'm in the middle of something. And I was like, oh, I should watch that. And I just keep it up and watch it. <laughs> Yeah. I gotta I gotta get used to that. I have to do that more because otherwise I'm just like completely I'll just gonna be heartbroken forever. I have to I have to start watching it and normalizing the fact that Reese Hoskins is not on the Phillies. I hate it. 
Well, let's get through these last couple guys. Tyler O'Neill. he had a bad year. He had bad health, maybe a buy low option, but the Cardinals are looking to make net gains, it feels like. I thought we were prioritizing reliability, and Tyler O'Neill just kind of feels like the opposite, which is a shame because he won a pair of gold gloves uh, and also hit 34 home runs in 2021. But, yeah, the, the stability just doesn't seem like it's there anymore, John. If Kevin Long sees something in him that he can work with, I'd be willing to give it a try. I'm not giving up a lot to get him, though, and that's why St. Louis probably mm-hmm. wouldn't do it. Yeah, totally agree. Liz, any Tyler O'Neill thoughts? Uh, my first thought was, who is that? So, Perfect. no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving along to the Cubs, Christopher Morrill. Uh, John, Liz, this is a guy I would only acquire because, boy, he can hit the crap out of Philly's pitching. He has... <laughs> A 1275 OPS against the Phillies in his career, which granted against them is only 12 games. But in those 12 games, he has 10 extra base hits and five home runs. I knew there was a reason his name sounded familiar. Familiar. It's because he doesn't stop abusing Phillies pitching. But outside of that, he's a pretty flawed player. He's got a power bat. Not a whole lot else going on here. But I would mostly acquire this guy just so I don't have to pitch to him anymore, Liz. <laughs> the Phillies have acquired a handful of guys like that over the years. Like uh, briefly, Rod Barajas was on the Phillies. Justin that one Moore. always. Get- <laughs> yes, just important. Like those guys always get me big points on the Immaculate Grid when I play it because like five people remember they were on the Phillies. Like the Phillies also tried this with John Lannon in 2013. You remember when they signed John Lannon, who could not stop pitching good games against the Phillies for a while, or hitting uh, their players and injuring them. Oh yes, exactly. That too. Um, he was he was atrocious. He had the worst season of his career thus far in Philadelphia in the seventy one innings and forty one games, uh, fourteen games he was there. Uh, then he moved on to the Mets, sucked, and his career was over. Uh, so I feel like acquiring guys just because they hit the Phillies well it was only a nope, not even that. It's never a good idea. <laughs> John, you find anything? Comp- particularly compelling about this guy just his power but he's again a bad defender in in the corner outfield and he didn't play a lot of corner outfield last year for the cubs but he did play some left and he did play some right field but uh yeah i'm i'm gonna pass on this dude too i again i'm we're we're past the point of bringing on guys who strike out 31 percent of the time i don't think that's what we're looking for and uh Let's keep let's keep walking. Let's keep. We'll find another outfield solution someplace else. I'm 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 good on passing on Morrill or Morrell. I don't know how you say his name. And in position wise, he was blocked at second base in Chicago. I'm considering him blocked at second base in Philadelphia as well. I'm considering him kind of blocked at third base too. Even though the Cubs didn't really seem to want to give him a look out there either. The Phillies also announced they have a first baseman and they have a designated hitter. So again, where would this guy go? So I, yeah, I'm, I'm not really interested in him either. Uh, last guy, David Bednar, the pirates. You may remember him from every trade rumor from recent memory because he is a good relief pitcher on a bad team. Um, he is a popular trade candidate at last summer's deadline. Pirates chose to hold on to him. He is a two-time all-star he is entering the first of three arbitration-eligible seasons, offering up great value to any club seeking a cost-controlled answer in the closer's role. The Phillies do want a closer, uh, but I feel like he's a guy that if Dave Dombrowski wants him, he's gonna he's gonna get him. Like this is exactly this is Dombrowski at this point. This is his bread and butter. 
you know, Soto, Kimbrel, guys who are established, uh, prolific relievers. If Dombrowski wants them, he goes out and finds a way to get them. John, you actually had a trade proposal you wanted. Yeah, to talk I crossed about him out. I crossed him out. I I I was um I was uh, beta testing them online, and um, I'm I'm notoriously really bad at coming up with trade proposals, and so. Um, I, I kind of, I've, I've kind of rescinded what I was thinking, but I mean, I think this is, I think if the Phillies are going to get a high impact relief pitcher, it's probably going to have to come through a trade. And so Bednar's really good. I don't know if people realize how good he is. I know the Phillies won the, uh, got their playoff spot, um, by scratching out a single run off of Bednar again and against the pirates when that, the Rojas RBI single up the middle, but he's really, really, really good. Um, he would be great in the Phillies bullpen. There are other guys out there. Uh, Robert Stevenson with the Rays is a guy who everybody really likes in terms of uh, free agents. He's a guy you could go out and sign rather than trade for. Um, Devin Williams is a name that's been floated around. If the Brewers decide they're not all in here in, in 2024, that he could be moved. I, I would move something significant for David Bednar. I don't know. I mean, I, I threw a couple names that like, uh, I throw like a Mick Abel and Gabriel Rincones for for David Bednar, and I know people don't like the idea of moving a a pitcher like David, like Mick Abel for a closer, but I, I, have we not figured out how important it is to have lockdown relief pitchers, closers, especially in playoff games? Like it doesn't feel like a as important a position in November, but when we roll into October, having those guys, it's it's a lot. It becomes a lot more important. So. I'm not sold on Mick Abel as a as a quality major league starter um, for 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 the Phillies long term. So I would be more willing to move him in a deal like that. Um, but I I get the resistance in some quarters to that. Yeah, and you got a pretty predictable response from people on on Twitter. But Twitter is where prospects go to be treasured and have their hair tussled and told they're special. So that is also you know part of this equation. Uh, but I'm sitting here listening to you talk because my instinct was looking at your trade proposals and being like, oh, for a reliever. But you're absolutely right. In November, that, that that's a role that, that gets trivialized, I think, in a lot of ways. And I think the thinking comes down to we got to give up a guy who might have a brilliant future for a guy who, if it doesn't work this year, that he kind of goes into that weird reliever purgatory where it's like, okay, now we just have this guy and, you know, we, we gave up a bunch of players for him. So we hope we got, got to get some kind of value out of him. Uh, and it just doesn't seem to be working. And there's just this fear. I feel like because a reliever's role is, and I don't mean this insultingly, I just mean like by the way the game is designed, kind of more one-dimensional. And if that one dimension isn't working, then a reliever doesn't really have, you know, they can't pick you up with their bat, you know, later in the game. And I think that's the fear for giving up top prospects for relievers. So I do also understand that kind of response. Sure. But that being said, if you want good, if you want talent, if you want a guy who's going to lock down that ninth inning for you, which was a problem for the Phillies in the postseason, then yeah, these are the kind of sacrifices you're going to have to make. But I, hey. I mean, if if you have David Bednar in Game Four of the NLCS, Phillies are in the World Series. There you go. So. That's and it. I, I'm in. I'm in with you about Devin Williams. I would love the Phillies to yep. be at least finding out what the cost is there. That would be yep. a very welcome addition. All right, 
In our final couple minutes here, I wanted to get to some uh, viewer questions who or listener listener questions. If you're viewing us right now, it's creepy. And that's I don't know. Get out of our house. Not sure I'm not sure. Yeah, seriously, right. the, the, the email is coming from inside the house. That's, yeah, that's what's happening. Accomplishing that. It's, uh, it's upsetting. But yeah, no. From listener questions, uh, starting with at Nick Ambrose 72. If you could steal one player currently on a team, not Otani, who would you take? It could be somebody who improves the roster or would just be the most fun to have as a Philly or specifically Josh Bell so he can stop playing so well against the Phillies and you can assume money doesn't matter. So do you guys want to take turns saying Ronald Acuna Jr. or do you have some, for some reason <laughs> another answer? I had, I had that was that was one of the names I had, but the, the other name that I had in my mind was his teammate Spencer Strider. Um, not only would you get another ace to pair with Zach Wheeler, he also wouldn't be defeating the Phillies in the regular season every single time he faces them. Oh, regular season, right. Regular okay. season. <laughs> regular, I said regular season. Yes, indeed. I was like, which playoffs were you watching? But okay, got it. Yes. And yeah, once again, I forgot to think about pitching. So that would obviously be, that would, that would check the box that we were talking about earlier. That boy, it'd be great to add another pitcher to this rotation. Obviously it'd be great to have another one, a pitcher in this rotation. And since we've entered into this realm where anything's possible and money doesn't exist, why not kidnap Spencer Strider and bring him to Philadelphia? Yeah. But I, my mind went straight to Ronald Acuna jr. Because I think he is a wonderful combination of fun and extremely elite tier. Good. And, you know, a guy like him or Mookie Betts, if we're not having any kind of limitations, would obviously be welcome. But if we start thinking about it logistically and like, OK, so that means we got to move some people around. Well, I guess those are both guys you just make room for no matter how you have to. So, Liz, anybody on your radar who uh, isn't isn't an obvious choice like the two names I just suggested? <laughs> I mean, my first thought was definitely Spencer Strider. That's that's. Really, yes. Um, and I was trying to think of like a good lights out closer and decided I didn't want to do that. So uh, mm -hmm. I'm going to go with Spencer Strider. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and I'll, I'll give you one more. And the one that's realistic is Soto. I think he's out there. I think he could be had. You put him in left field, that lefty bat, that patient hitter. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I would take Acuna over Soto for sure, but it's close. Because I think people sleep on how good Juan Soto is. He would be a perfect complement to what the Phillies already have. I think Soto's going to come out of San Diego and put that chapter of his life behind him and complete and recalibrate and go back to being the guy that he was when the Padres acquired him. Because yep. he's, he's had some quieter times out there. And I, I, yeah, I think his better days are ahead for, for him, no matter where he ends up. Uh, this next question is from at Charles W. Wolf. Do you think daycare still has room for growth or do you think what we saw from them in 2023 is who they will be for the rest of their careers, which isn't a bad thing. Just being greedy and dreaming big. Liz, do you feel like daycare has reached the peak of its potential by daycare? We're talking about Alec Bohm, Bryson Stott. We throw Brandon Marsh in there, right? Yeah. Okay. Sure. So those three guys, is there anybody else currently in daycare? Uh, <laughs> Rojas, Sorry. maybe, right? Rojas, okay. So we're just considering any new young person automatically joins daycare by default. I mean, I remember seeing Cody Clemens being brought into the post-game shenanigans with the water at one point. So, like, I think I think it's it's a, it's a fluid state, but the principal members are Alec Bohm, Bryson Stott, and, and Brandon Marsh. 
Yes. Okay. So is that group, are, are we still waiting for them to get even better or just a particular one of them to get better? John. Um, well, I think that I don't know that Bryson Stott can be better than he was this year. Um, by wins above replacement, he was the best player on the team. Uh, so I think he is for already one of the league's best second basemen. And I think basically what you've seen from, from Brandon, from Brandon Marsh and Alec Bohm, I think that's, I, I don't know that there's a whole lot more you can get out of those guys. Those guys were all so productive all season long. And now it seems like Brandon Marsh is going to be given the opportunity to play against left-handers every day. Um, I think that'll be good for him and his development. Um, you're going to, sounds like he's going to play a lot of center field. I think Rojas is going to start the season in triple a. And yeah, I think, I don't know that we can expect any more from those guys. If we get what we got from them in 2024, then I think we're, we should be elated because they, they all took huge steps forward. And I don't know that there's a whole lot more steps for them to take. I don't think any of them were ever drafted or groomed to be star players. They're groomed to be very good, solid potential all-star everyday players for a winning team. That's what they are. I have my answer, but Liz, I'm going to let you go first. I think I, I think John's right that even if you were to say that yeah, there's no no more room for these guys to grow, that's not an insult by any stretch. They have been very good for the Phillies. At times, they carried the Phillies this season. At times, you know, Alec Bohm was their best hitter with runners in scoring position. Bryson Stott was on fire at the beginning of the season, and and like John said, led the team in uh, wins above replacement. You had Brandon Marsh. Uh, obviously took huge steps forward since coming to the Phillies. So, But do you feel like there is still something, another gear to be found for any one of these guys? I think there is. I think there's growth to be had. Growth can be in many different ways. Uh, I think the main way that they're going to grow is that after this past season, we should stop calling them daycare now. Um, some of them are <laughs> fathers now, and I feel like maybe we should recognize that. This was definitely a year where they could be called daycare, but let's think of a different name next year. Uh, I know that won't happen. Elementary Ed? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Junior uh, high. Do that. Junior <laughs> high. But see, that implies that there is a high school for them to graduate to, and it's not really about graduating anymore, and it's not like it's not about reaching another gear. It's about expanding their game, expanding their talents and trying to fill the holes where they come up. Like who's not walking this year, you know, who's not walking after two months, then this is a player that needs to learn how to, you know, fix that problem. And that's sort of, I think the next step they have to take. If, you know, if you could think of it as a step, it's just a, it's a quality that, the best baseball players have. And honestly, they couldn't be in a better place to learn what the best ball players do because they're on a team with a whole bunch of them. And some of them even are them. You know, Bryson Stott was one of the best second baseman in the game in either league this year. You know, there's room for him to grow in some ways, but in a lot of ways, the, the player that we've seen is the player we have to hope he's going to continue to be. Because we have to remember what we've seen could be there is, you know, hopefully, you know, them at their best. There are a lot of years in front of them to play. Right. All right. Here's how I see it. Brandon Marsh, you have seen him at his ceiling. 
you you have you have seen the capacity of Brandon Marsh again. I don't think that's a bad thing, but that's just my general opinion. I'm not sure there's there's much more to do there, but I'm very very pleased with what we've seen so far and gotten from that trade. Uh, Alec Bohm. Alec Bohm is an interesting case because when the Phillies are struggling and he's part of the group that's struggling, he's often the only one you'd know that about visually. By which I mean a lot of these other guys, maybe it's just they're veterans. They, you know, they're they're mentally they they've got their uh, mental aspects of the game down. You won't see a whole lot of like bat smashing and equipment throwing. With Alec Bohm, you still see that. And yes, you might be just credit to that to like, okay, well, I think that's just a personality thing. But I think that hints that Alec Bohm believes he can be better. And if a guy believes that aggressively enough to slam his bat into the bat slot when he strikes out in a big spot or just doesn't get the result he wants. And again, this isn't all the time. I'm not, you know, he's not like a malcontent or anything. He's not a a problem by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I I don't know. I see that. And it just tells me like he expects more from himself, which means he is going to be driven to get more from himself. So I think potentially you, you could see some, some more from him, even if he's the kind of player who just like has a career, much like the career he's already had, but then has like one season where he's an all-star, even if it's just that, I think that's, that's something you, you can be fair in expecting from Alec Baum and Bryson Stott. Oh boy. I got to tell you, I had a conversation with Tim Jackson, a baseball prospectus earlier this year, and we were basically gauging at what point Bryson Stott will be leading off for the national league in the all-star game and how soon that will be. And I think that I, I think there is a little more space for Bryson spot Bryson Stott to improve. And I don't mean that in any way again, that he's been disappointing. I just think, I think this year proved he is a complete stud. And he has the potential yes. to become a star. Now, whether that means he does, in fact, have more talent to give and, and just will get better, or it just means we're waiting for the recognition of how good he already is to kick in, one of those things is true. And one of them is going to happen, I think. So just, you know, again, good good things ahead for the young members of the Phillies core who, again, yes, we should stop calling daycare. All right, last question before we wrap up. Will we see another big-ish addition by the Phillies in the rotation bullpen or outfield, or is the pro- roster pretty much already set? This is from at Roaming the Park. Liz, what's coming up next for the Phillies? They're not going to make another big uh, Aaron Nola, Trey Turner-esque move. I think big on the scale of like maybe a four on the Richter scale. Is that a lot? I'm using that not really knowing how strong earthquakes are. No. Well, it depends where you are. Uh, I'm not from California, which is kind of the standard. Like I've only a been there seven a or an times. eight is considered a big Richter scale earthquake. Four could do some damage like here in, here in Virginia or Maryland where you guys are, but yeah, no, no. Liz yes. is from Maine. So maybe if there's, <laughs> what's the fog scale? called if that might be more familiar to her do you but. think maine has a lot of fog like it's called London? The, it's it's called the thicker scale <laughs> <laughs> maine is famous for snow and there really isn't a scale of that unless we're talking inches and if we are talking inches i have lived through at least 36 inches of snow in numerous cities that i've lived there you go and that is not what we're talking about no um, it's not uh do you see the phillies making anything bigger than a medium addition to their roster no, it would be cool if they did something huge and big that was unexpected. And I think you can never you can never count out Dave Dombrowski with that. You can't. He 
that's kind of the cool thing. He could do anything. Yeah. Uh, but I don't. I'm not expecting it at all. John, uh, bigger than sort of exciting move coming for the Phillies in the weeks ahead. You know, maybe it's maybe I've just gotten used to the Phillies making kind of surprising big moves or whatever. I do think they have something else up their sleeve. Um, I don't know what it is, whether it's a trade for a, a real reliever, like a, a Craig, a real Craig Kimball replacement, whether it's Yamamoto. I, I think it's fascinating that they're that they've been linked to him. Um, it seems like they're really interested in him. Now it's going to, and I think for the first time I can actually envision a Japanese star playing in Philadelphia, given how much attention the Phillies have gotten these last two years and the city itself has gotten these last two years in the playoffs. So yeah, I do think there's something else coming. I, I don't know exactly what it is, whether it's going to be a, a tr you know, a, a big bat in left field, uh, another big starter or a reliever, but I, I don't think we're looking at, you know, a couple of platoon out or a platoon outfielder, two or three middling relievers, and and that's it. I, I think there's something else coming. It feels I just feel like there's something else coming. I don't know what it is. There's certainly going to be something else coming. Uh, my answer would be big ish. It's probably even a little too big for the, than what I think is going to happen next. I think you're you're looking at a guy who has name recognition, who has been good elsewhere, but has like a clear set of flaws as well. Um, I think that's about as big as you can expect for the Phillies. And honestly, I feel like the big, the biggest move you're going to see in the in the weeks ahead is going to be the bullpen. The, the, that's where the addition is going to come. I think whatever bat they add isn't going to be very thunderous. Uh, I think they are go they are more concerned with who's going to be closing games and who's going to be finishing the finishing the job there because that was an area of need in the postseason. Uh, but yeah, I don't think I don't think we're looking at anything huge. But I I do think Dave Dombrowski he's got some moves he's at least considering right now. He's got some interesting plays that no one's considered. So we'll see what happens. But we remain on the edge of our seats until opening day or until we all get that alert that Dave Dombrowski has traded all of Philly's daycare for David Bednar. Uh, finally slaking John Stolnes's need <laughs> to get rid of players people like. I just uh, hate them all. Get them out of here. <laughs> uh, well, that'll do it for this episode of Hitting Season. We have gone long, so if anyone has any final thoughts, frankly, they're canceled. You can stop me by right. You can stop me right now if you have very strong final thoughts but uh, no we're keep just, yourself that's fine we're just we're just gonna blast through that <laughs> at this point go, frankly go, go, go. going over an hour in late november uh, on a baseball podcast it's is, inexcusable that's pretty illegal to be how honest, many so. times did we do that last year oh we have so to go times. back and look we say it every time oh what are we gonna do for off-season content and i have like stuff planned and yet somehow we go over an hour on guys that aren't even on the Phillies. The authorities are definitely after us. We have been dodging them for some time. Mm -hmm. From WHYY and Billy Penn, I'm Justin Clue. I'm Liz Rocher. I'm John. <laughs> <laughs> and we couldn't have been happier to be here for another episode of Hidden Season.